talking about uh, Psalm, give us a clean heart. And so we will wait for the uh, overhead to come on and we will uh, walk back through 10 principles of a right spirit. Now, last time I teased a little bit and said that this was Jonesboro, Georgia, but we know that's not Jonesboro, Georgia. That's just a photo someone took, and I liked it, so I put it on there. Now, the first thing that we're looking at is Psalm 5110, uh, and we're going to review a little bit. Could you read it with me? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So the, the key here, of course, is that it's important for us to, to be renewed in the spirit, to have a right, everyone say a right spirit. So we could say, and we did last time, that in some ways here we are, we are talking about attitude, a right attitude. And I don't like to have to walk around and hold the mic, but in order to use the, the computer. Now, this will be the last service that I use this computer. We have a computer now that will set here, and I won't have to be backing up and so on. It will make it a lot easier. So hopefully that will be up and running because this one is going to computer heaven where it should have gone many years ago, but it's uh, finally almost there. So create in me a clean heart, O God. The only person, the only one that can give you a clean heart is God. You can't talk about it. You can't pretend. Now you can tell yourself you're okay, but uh, and people do that all the time. You've, I, I find people many, many times. I got a letter just well, I get letters every single week from, from prisons and so on. In fact, I got one on my desk right now that said, I just got your book. I read your book. Please, how can I do this? And I'm in prison and had found our book and was reading. So that, that was interesting. I, I thank the Lord and so on and, and want to help them along that. But I also get these letters. You know, I, I, you know all I did was kill the man. Uh, you know, I only shot him once. And, and uh, so I'm really not. I, it's unfair, and even though he died, you know, I shouldn't be here. They justify everything, no matter what it was. And because the human mind can justify so many things, but all of us in this room, all of us in this place, want God to be pleased with us. We're not interested in just creating our own uh, mental concepts. We want a clean heart before God. Can you say praise the Lord this morning? We want a clean heart before God. So create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Now, first of all, we looked at how this is becoming what this scripture is telling us is that we are to become spiritual. To have a clean heart is to be spiritual. Now, some people talk spiritual, you know, maybe they know verses of the Bible and so on. And that, that's all good. I'm not trying to be negative. But to be truly spiritual is to allow God to create in us a right spirit, to have the spirit that God would have us to have. And I sense, I've, I've sensed this in the Holy Ghost for some days. That's why we're taking a look at it the last little bit, is that it is critical, if my voice doesn't <laughs> stop working here, that, that we allow a proper attitude toward God, toward others, and it's not always easy. How many knows that it's, it takes a daily effort to be what you need to be before God? It takes a daily effort. Some years ago, 1921, a preacher by the name of 
William Booth Cliburn was having to work to provide for his ministry, and he was praying. He was working out in the fields, and in order to get to the next revival, he had to he had to work in the fields, and it was hard labor. Sister French and I were just out there a few days ago and drove by. What was that we you said that was along the road there? Broccoli or that yeah, was broccoli. And California's got everything. I mean, if, if, if it can be grown, then they're growing it over there. And they've got exotic plants and so on. And he was in the field. I, I forget what it was, but... I read it, I read his story from his own pen, his own hand, handwritten, one of the historical things that I'm very proud of. And he says in there that as he began to complain, and, oh, God, I'm, I'm having to work in the field, and I'm a gospel preacher, and so on. And the Holy Ghost said, shut up. I'm tired of your whining. I did not complain. The road I walked And I am asking you to walk a road that you may not fully comprehend. And in the midst of that, he began to write and uh, he wrote the song to be like Jesus. And how many want to be like Jesus here this morning? Praise God. I love that song. Uh, Sister French, can you help me start it? To be like Jesus. Can you help me? To be like Jesus, on earth I want to live like him all through life's journey from earth to glory. I only ask to be like him. That was pretty good. Amen. Well, that's, that's our prayer, Lord, this morning, to be like you. And, and we looked at the 2 Corinthians 5 and 4, chapter 4 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish... The inward man is renewed day by day. So it is true that there must be a daily renewing of our spirit. Sometimes maybe there are circumstances. Maybe someone that you love very dearly. I don't know if you've ever heard the term. Sister French and I use it once in a while. I, I now remember who first started calling it this, but someone can be what they called your irregular person. You love them, but they're hard to live with or whatever, or hard to know. The person that wrote the book, they, they wrote a book called Irregular People, talking about the fact that it may be people that you absolutely must live with, you must love, and so on. But they, they're constantly criticizing you or constantly making it difficult for you and so on. And so it may seem like you're never going to get through it. But you know that God can change anything. God can take any circumstance, and he can even take any life, and he can change that life. And so if you will renew yourself, but if you become as carnal 
as the folks that are troubling you, then you'll never have victory. How many knows there's victory in Jesus? Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, and so it is that we're, as he, in verse 15 of chapter 5, and he that died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. So we are to live not for ourselves. Now, let me tell you what's happening in our world. We're living, now listen to me. We're living in a world where people all around us are living for themselves. And there are Christians who live, let's say, for them. In other words, they're all they're interested in. For example, they'll be nice to someone if they're Pentecostal. But if they're not Pentecostal, then woe is the, the person that happens to walk in because they only have the right spirit if they think they're going to be judged by certain people. But a right spirit doesn't say, well, I'm going to, makes me love Pentecostals. Makes me love Pentecostals. That's a really old song, and I'm singing it. I can't even get that song right this morning. But it actually says what? It makes me love everybody. Now, that is, I tried to find that song recently, the real words to it, and I could not recognize the song based on the words in that songbook. So I've never sung that as an old hymn. But I sang it the way I would sing the song is, give me that old time Religion, that's the way we sang it. Now, I don't know who wrote it. I mean, I, I guess I could look that up, but whoever wrote it must have said something else. They put some other words in there or whoever put it in the hymn book. I, I suspect that that's an old hymn they sang out in the camp meetings and then somebody said, oh, that's, that's, too, that's too backwoodsy to say, give me that old time. <laughs> you know, give me or give me or something like that. That's too woodsy, old timey. And so they changed the words to where you can barely, it's so sophisticated, I can't even remember exactly the words. But I tell you what, not only will the old-time religion change your life, it will make you love everybody. It will change your attitude. That doesn't mean, of course, that you, that you don't have the same feelings. You have to deal with it. But that's what the renewing of the Spirit does in your life. So we are renewed daily by the Spirit. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, his ears open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth, Psalm 34. Very, very emphatic. But the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them, verse 17, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Could we just lift our hands and thank God for that this morning? Thank you, Lord, that you can deliver your children out of all their troubles. Hallelujah. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And you notice that last time we looked at this word contrite, which uh, I, I know we all get it. It's not like you've never heard of the word contrite, but it's literally the Hebrew word to crush. And I, I checked every translation that I have on the shelf, which is a about 11 translations that are just sitting there. And then I, you know, there's lots of others, but I just wanted to see, wonder what they do with that. Wonder if they use some other word because uh, to say a crushed spirit has a little, a little difficulty in grasping what is going on. When you say, it is the Hebrew word for crushed. So what, what exactly is the psalmist really trying to show us? And, and of course, the King James translators went with contrite, which we think of contrite. Now think now, some of you are waking up. Now think with me. If you think of the word contrite, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Humble. See? You think, well, they're contrite. That means that they're either repentant 
or they're humble. In other words, they, they're, they're not uh, cocky and, and so on. They're, they're, they're humble and they, they're, they're coming at it from an entirely different standpoint. Now, I'm not saying if you're excited and so on that, you, that you're not contrite. You can be happy. We're not talking about a long face here. We're not talking about people moping around and, and have no, never can smile and so on. Hey, the world's full of those folks. They're called sinners. We don't have to live like that. And you don't have to go to a bar room to get your happiness. Your happiness is in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when I come before God with a crushed spirit, that my spirit is brought into submission to God, that's what God says. I'm near to them. I'm near to the person that has a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Now, then we came to our look at Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is love. Everyone say love. The fruit of the spirit is love. Now, the only way that I know to tell you to develop, of course, prayer when you, when, when you talk about a contrite spirit, you're talking about having a spirit that comes before God, is humble, that prays, and so forth. We'll come back to that in a moment. But the only way I know to develop a right spirit is to develop the fruit of the spirit in your life. Otherwise, you're going to be the wrong spirit. You've got to develop the fruit of the spirit. What the fruit produces has to be produced in your life. Everybody say, praise the Lord. It has to be produced in your life and, and in my life. When I say you, of course, I mean all of us. If I'm, uh, well, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I, I come to God and then I look at the world and I'm facing, you know, someone says, it doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter what you watch. Doesn't matter what kind of music. You can listen to anything. If the world is tugging on you, folks, you need to know what the Spirit of God is saying in your life. Some people say, I'll just take care of them. I'll punch them in the face or something like that. As though that, that would be the response that God would want you to have. And, of course, that's not the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Everybody say love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So you love people. People say things that maybe they'll talk about you, say things that aren't true, the worst thing in the world. There, there is almost, well, that, that's probably not true. I was going to say there's hardly anything more frustrating than to have somebody tell something that's not true about you. And then you have to love them. You want to say, man, I don't love you very much. That's what you want to say. I don't, that makes me not love you very much. You know what I mean? But you can't do that. You can't say, I don't love you very much. Someone said, well, I, 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 uh, I love them, but I don't like them. And that, that distinction seemed to work for them. They could love them, but they didn't like them very much. And what I find about that, though, is if you're not careful, is that th that not liking is just another way of being unloving towards someone. Now, you might say, I don't particularly care for them in this way, but I still do love them. And so the fruit of the Spirit is, can be born in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Could you read? Let's read that together. We've got nine of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Now, that's the King James. I put the NIV down below because 
Just so happens, it's very rare for me, but the NIV has retranslated them in exactly the wording that I would have translated them. In fact, I've often, I do, I teach Greek and so on, so I've translated uh, Galatians in many books of the Bible, and I would have used the word love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So I would have used that word. I would have used the word kindness. Now, I want to tell you something. What this world needs today is the love of God. What this world needs today is the joy of the Spirit. And some of you here this morning, you need the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's what you need in your life. Now, it may not come easy, but that's what you're really longing for is the peace of God. Now, someone said, well, I need peace because I, I ran into someone's car and I, I left it there in the parking lot and never told them I need God to give me some peace. No, what you need is to do the right thing. See, there are people wanting peace, which means they just want their guilty conscience to quit bothering them. That's a totally different thing. The peace of God comes after you've been forgiven and you've done everything the Spirit told you to do. And you're living for... How many are glad you're living for Jesus here today? I'm living for God. I'm living for God. And so love, peace, and joy are a part of my life. Now, peace doesn't come easy, folks. I want to tell you something. I know some of you are sleepy and you're kind of quiet this morning, but I'm going to tell you right now, the only way you're going to have the peace of God is for the Spirit to bring it to you. You're going to have to develop the peace of God in your life. And when you don't have it, you don't say, well, I guess that just can't be obtained. You have to say, Lord, I don't have the peace I need. There's something wrong. I need the peace of God in my, I need to know what I need to do, Lord. I want to be like you. I want to have the peace of God in my life. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, right now, I pray for everyone that's in this lesson today that you will help them to find the peace, God, that they need in their life, Lord, to to move forward in your will. Amen. So we have love, joy, peace, and kindness. One of the things that really bothers me about the way our culture has turned in the last little bit, like someone will shoot you on the street for, like recently, not, not here in Atlanta, but, I mean, all kinds of things happen in Atlanta. That's, I'm not ruling Atlanta out. I'm just saying that recently in another city, a young boy was killed because another boy wanted his tennis shoes. So they shot him, took his tennis shoes. So he was left without shoes. And dead, of course. The tennis shoes didn't mean much. I was reading just the other day about a young girl that had graduated valedictorian. I forget what year it was, but it was fairly recent. And she was driving down the streets of a city I just visited recently, far away from here. And she came to the stoplight. And when she did, a young man stopped and stood right in front of the car and shot her in the head right there through the glass, killed her. Police scene. They caught the boy. And he said, well, I killed her because she, she, I don't care. She left me for this other guy. And so I killed her. And they said, you think that girl was your ex-girlfriend? He said, yeah. So that wasn't your ex-girlfriend. That was, that was the valedictorian of the local high school. You know what he did? Laughed. 
thought it was hilarious, and he laughed out loud. It was so, it, it made the news, it was so um, interesting that a young gangbanger killed the wrong girl and thought it was funny. Well, that young man, I mean, I don't know where he's at today, but that's a human being. That's a person out there that's, that thinks it's hilarious to shoot a young girl on the street corner and think that's, that's funny. That's the kind of world that we are in. And I want to tell you something, folks. If there's ever been a day when people are inverting righteousness and saying, for example, the word love. We're, you know what we do today? If something feels good or if, it's, if they can run off with someone and, and have a little fling, that to them is love. Love is, it has become literally perverted, and, and, and the same thing is true for kindness. We're living in a time when you're only kind, for example, if you allow people to do what they want to do. In other words, don't preach against sin. Throw the Bible away because they want to do something. And if you were really kind, see, that's the new approach. That's the new, what we call the new tolerance. Nothing new about it, but that's what they call it. That's what the culture is calling it. The new tolerance. You have to now change the way you used to take. The Bible doesn't come. You can't let the Bible influence because now we're smarter than the Bible, see. And so if you really were kind, you preachers would quit preaching about things that make people feel a certain way. And you'd be kind. In other words, to be kind is to let people do whatever they want to do. And what I'm trying to tell you is that we've turned love inside out, we've turned peace inside out, and we've turned kindness inside out. So that really, when you tell, for example, if you let someone go to hell and do whatever they want, then that would be kind in the modern dictionary. Let me tell you, there's nothing kind about letting people go to a God and not be ready to meet God. How many knows that we need to obey the word of God? And kindness is exactly what it's always been. You be kind to people. Now, the hypocrites, of course, do, do a lot of damage because they're only kind to the, you know, the people they want to be kind to. Kindness goes deeper than just being friendly or kind to a certain group of people or your own, your own group and so on. Someone said, well, racism's gone forever and we're in a new world and we've gone to the moon and so on. Let me tell you something, folks. This old world's just as full of sin as it was the day Adam took the fruit off the tree. We still have sin all around us and the answer is still the word of God. Turn to God and you can find the answer that you need. So it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Someone said, well, what is what is?" Goodness. What is goodness? Well, most of us sitting here don't need any explanation what it means to be good to people, to do good things. You know, there's nothing more powerful, and I know I need to hurry. There's nothing more powerful than being good to someone. For example, here's, here's a little I was going to say a little trick, but a little thing you could do. Let's say someone really doesn't do you right. Let's say they're, a, you know, they're not a Christian and they do something. So what do you do? What does the Bible tell you to do? Turn around. And, oh, okay, I'll get a needle and I'll put it in their fingernail. That's how some people would. I'll, I'll think of something. I'll put a, I'll put a needle in, a, in the cushion, you know. 
In other words, they're going to they're going to respond exactly the way they were treated. That's the way they're going to respond. In other words, you did me wrong. I'm going to do more to you. We're just going to we're just going to deal with it. But what about responding when someone is bad? What about responding with goodness? The first thing some people think when you say that, I hope none of you did, but I suspect maybe, is that's weakness. See, that's weakness. You're going to let people get away with murder and so on and so forth. No, I didn't say let people get away with murder. I don't believe in getting away with murder. We're living in a culture now that says, oh, murder's not your fault anyway. So we're, the whole culture's turned upside down. Folks, I want to tell you something. There is an answer, and it's the power of the Holy Ghost. The answer today is the goodness of God in us and us generating it through the Spirit in our lives. So kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, I, I, I spent so much time on the other, I'm going to have to keep going. So Jesus said in Matthew, this is where we ended, love your enemies. Everybody say, love your enemies. Love your enemies. So love becomes a powerful Christian command. This is not, now there's, uh, the. I mean, it's clear, folks, when you say, for example, if you come up to, let's say, okay, here we are. You come up to a stop sign, and it says, What's, that? What's the sign saying to you, even though it doesn't say anything? But it does say it, but it doesn't say it verbally. It says, stop. Is that a command? Or do you just pull up there, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I could stop. Maybe I won't stop. Any, don't, don't raise your hand. If any of you have that kind of attitude, you don't because the law doesn't allow it. The idea that... An imperative is just something you might do or you might not do. No, Jesus used an imperative. Just like a stop sign says stop, Jesus said love. He didn't say you might want to love your enemy. See, he could have easily said that. Greeks should say that. Uh, you, you, you ought to really think about it. You ought to really try to love you. He could have said it. He could have said you really ought to put a lot of thought to loving your enemies. He didn't. He said love your enemies. And Martin Luther King, I told you last week, one of the most awesome sermons that he ever preached was called Love Your Enemies. And so I don't have time to go back into that. But you ought to read it. You ought to, I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, what you are. If you've never read that, then you have missed a great spokesman on how to love in the face of terrible enemies. When they come against you, you still love your enemies. How can you love people who are doing you wrong? Do you become a milk toast? Do you sit back and say, oh, well, no matter. Okay, whatever you say. No, no, no. No, no, no. Loving your enemies is standing in the face of evil and loving in spite of it. Can we just praise him one more time? Father, thank you for the opportunity to live out, Lord, the love that you have placed in us. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. So, so love is not only one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a command of Jesus as a powerful a part of the Christian life. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good. So here are four commands. Love your enemies. Really, that's a whole, I, I don't know why I, I, bringing this into this lesson is like trying to, uh, just mind-boggling. 
To love, just love your enemies alone is a lesson all in itself. But love your enemies, bless them that curse you. What a, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that may be the hardest thing that you have ever done is to be so changed by the Spirit that you can bless, praise God, you can bless them that, that curse you. Do good. Now, it didn't say, oh, okay. I, see what I mean? It's a whole lesson. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, which is exactly what I just said. And I was saying it from the fruit of the Spirit. That is, how about trying a little goodness? Some of you say, well, they're not good to me. Well, yes, that's the whole point. That is the whole point. To be like the Lord is to be good to them that uh, hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So there, I want to promise you that that I'm going to come back another time and talk about, because I remember several months ago the Lord was dealing with me about this expression, them which despitefully use you. That And I did look into it, but I never taught it. And, of course, there's no time this morning. But to be despitefully used. See, that King James expression is a little bit, a little bit unusual. But pray. Everybody say pray. You pray for them. Love, bless, do good, and pray. So that's what Jesus taught. And then, of course, the golden rule is, therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. And so we've just answered in Matthew 7 our question a moment ago. What, what do you, how do you treat other people? So we'll, we've already looked at that. And then we'll skip this. Of course, the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep. Everyone say keep. The peace of God will keep your heart. See, and that's what our lesson is about this morning. I'm almost, I'm almost there. We haven't got much time. But if you're going to be spiritual, if you're going to have a right spirit, if you're going to have a clean heart and, and a renewed spirit, the right spirit, then it's going to take the keeping power of the peace of God and the work of the spirit in your life. It shall keep your hearts and minds. All right, Philippians 4 and verse 7. Now, what, one more. Let's go just a little bit further. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit, Romans 8, for to be carnally minded is death. We're looking at what we might call central teachings of the Christian faith. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. And that's our lesson. This is what we're talking about today. How do I get a right spirit? How do I become spiritually minded? So, that, for example, now listen to me. If, how do I know? Let's say I'm trying to judge whether something is good or bad. How can I know the spiritual answer? 
Some people, we're living in a culture that's given up on it to where nothing is bad, just do what you want to do. Do what's, what, what in judges they call, what's right in your own eyes. That's the world that we're in. But I want to tell you something. That's a very dangerous thing to do. You need to decide. When, you're, when you hear a, a bit of music, you need to say to yourself, is this, is this a godly thing or is this an ungodly thing? Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, that's life and peace. And remember, the peace of God is, is what's going to keep you. It's the peace of God that's going to guard you and give you the answers that you are looking for in your life because the carnal mind is enmity against God. If you have a sinful carnal, and I'm using these these, uh, without very much depth here, but the carnal mind right here, the carnal mind is enmity. It's the enmity, you know, is just an old word for it's the uh, it's against or like an enemy. It's the enemy. Let's use that word. The, the carnal mind is the enemy of God. We'll say that just for simplicity. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So we, we have to leave that. We simply, we simply can't uh, stay there. Now, trust in the Lord. Let's read this together. See right here? Let's read this together. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Okay, so the answer to the question. See, we, we've been kind of asking, how do, I, how do I become spiritual? How do I change my heart? Well, now here we have, I've, I've already given it to you here, but this is yada, and so I, I spelled it in English. But So this is the word that's translated acknowledge. So if I... In all my ways, I acknowledge him, which I've, see down here, I've kind of given some of the Hebrew meanings for this word, yada, to, to recognize, uh, be acquainted with, know. In other words, get acquainted with him. In, all the, in everything that I do, I'm going to, I'm gonna, it's almost a repeat of the scripture a moment ago, to, to live for him, to acknowledge and know him, then when I know him, then he will Direct our paths. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise God. Amen. Okay, now one more scripture. Two more. I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full. Everybody say full of goodness. Now this is why I've come back through this lesson to conclude, and I realize that I'm almost past my conclusion but I want to say it. I want to say it publicly. I want to say it in this Bible lesson today. And then I have to step aside. We'll let the praise team come. One of the most important things that we can do in this dark world is to let the Spirit fill us with goodness. That's what God wants. That's what he said to the Romans, I'm persuaded that you are full of, and, and all this down here with the, uh, this is just, us, I don't have time to even go into that. What is that right there? A, ma- a magnet. There's a, a magnet. And, you know, you know, the whole idea was we're trying to pull the meaning out of this, out of this uh, in, in this case, the Greek word. Right here, which makes no difference uh, that we were going to look at that. The point being that we, the most important thing that you can do in your life is to seek the spirit to change you from a heart that is evil 
or wrong or selfish or whatever those things. Maybe the, a lot of, most of you don't, are not fully evil or anything, but to change whatever the carnality is to be full. Everybody say full of goodness. All right, so, so that's that. Now, the very last scripture is, of course, Matthew 11, where Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let, let's stand together. I'm, I've got to stop right here. Let's stand. We're going to turn the service over to the praise team. But take my yoke upon you. You say, well, how, how am I going to be spiritual? Well, I can think of no greater scripture in the Bible than Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. This is the same, almost what the last scripture said. For I am meek, and I'm going to say humble, although the King James says lowly in heart. That's exactly right. The reason I love the King James is that it links lowly to the heart. So I am lowly, which is just the Greek word for humble, but I am lowly in heart. You link, it is all about our heart. The inward man is renewed. The heart is... Listen, folks. The devil may not like it, but he cannot stop it. When you let the Spirit do the inner work, take my yoke, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Let's just praise him together, shall we? Father, I pray today that we will... Learn of you. That's our prayer. Lord, let every heart today realize that you are good, that you're able to help them. Lord, let the Spirit of God speak to us through the word. Lord, we want to be more and more like you. That's our prayer. Amen. Praise God. To be like Jesus would have been a great title for what we were trying to say today. Because in the end, if you're going to have a right spirit, you're going to have to be like the Lord. And that doesn't mean, oh, I'm like the Lord. I could just be God. I'm so great. No, no, no. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a heart that is reaching out to God. Everyone said amen? All right. Let's uh, shake hands, two or three folks. Find somebody you haven't got to greet, and we'll let the praise team get ready to come. Thank you for listening. God bless you.